Welcome to Review the Future, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the impact of technology on culture. I'm Ted Cover. I'm John Perry. And today we're asking the question, what are the different types of intelligence augmentation? So imagine you're watching a math competition and on stage there's three seemingly smart individuals and they're competing to answer a series of really hard math questions and they compete and then the final result is actually a three-way tie. They seem to be equally matched. But later you learn that these three individuals who resemble each other, at least externally, are actually very, very different on the inside. Okay. The first individual on the stage is a math professor who's literally spent his entire life studying the subject inside and out. Right. And then the second guy is an individual who has only studied math up to like the high school level. Uh, However, he's on a revolutionary new smart drug. And this drug has radically increased his ability to understand and learn mathematical concepts at the moment that he's exposed to them. So uh, that's, that's how he competed in the contest. And then the third individual has no knowledge of math whatsoever. He just has a smart earpiece that's connected to the internet that's basically feeding him the right answers at lightning speed. Right. So all three of these guys could potentially win this math competition that we're imagining, and they represent three different styles of intelligence augmentation that might happen. So the first type is education, right? Uh, the guy uh, learns about math and he optimizes his existing uh, gray matter, his existing brain, uh, to do uh, the task at hand, math. The second guy is an example of what we call enhancement. So he's taking a drug, his synapses are firing faster, or he's uh, creating new memories quicker or something like that, and it's upgrading his existing abilities. To master new tasks specifically, right? Right, yeah. right. Uh, so he can learn, which is what the brain does. It can, le- you know, it, it's a learning machine. Sure, so sure. He can learn more efficiently than uh, the guy whose brain is is well trained. And then the third character is an example of what we call extension. So instead of learning anything particularly, he just offloads the task that he wants to do to an external thing. Uh, in this case, it's like some AI over the internet. And so, like interestingly, you know, from from an outsider, like the the functional outcome is the same, right? All three of right. them to can the judges, com- they're just looking for the right answer at math. If they give them the right answer, then it's the same. But the actual like qualitative sort of conscious experience of these three individuals is really different, right? So, uh, like the first person is engaging with this deep history of their life, learning this subject, right? Uh, and that's how they're sort of approaching things. But then the second person is actually engaged in the act of learning on the fly, right? Uh, and then the, the third person is just kind of sitting there, like waiting for the feed to come in. It's and essentially just reporting information to somebody and then from somebody, and that's it. Obviously, the first type of intelligence augmentation, which is education, we have now. Yep. Uh, in fact, we and have... To, it, and to some extent, we have uh, the third thing as well. We have extension, right? I mean, when you use Google to look up something quickly that you don't know, that's an f- extension. Right. Uh, right. And I've seen recently some studies where people uh, treat Google almost like uh, another person that they know in their mind, right? Uh, that's what these studies suggest, as if it, as if Google is just everybody's smart friend. Uh, and then the enhancement, we have, you know, in very limited forms. We, there's some drugs that kind of work. Caffeine kind of works. Uh, Adderall kind of works. Uh, you know, exercise kind of works, right? But we don't have anything, you know, quite on the level of what we're talking about in this thought experiment. Right, we don't have like working nootropics yet, but we have some ideas about what the brain does and how we might be able to make it work better. So it's possible that that might come in the future. 
Uh, and that experience might be similar to the experience we have today uh, when people who are geniuses uh, attack new problems. They have uh, increased learning ability uh, compared to the rest of us, so they often pick things up very quickly and treat you know, complex puzzles that a math professor would think of as being historical puzzles to apply historical methods to, they would maybe think of as just like a, you know, a, a puzzle to solve in- instantaneously. Right. Uh, working the theory out as they go. And I, I think there's, there's pros and cons to each of these, right? And you would probably want to use different types of intelligence augmentation for different tasks. Like, right. Well, the good news is we'll probably have all three of these things uh, in various forms. Right. So the, I, think, I think the education is somehow fundamentally rewarding in a, in a sense of your identity, right? I mean, I think what defines that one is you've spent so much time engaging with something, right? That it almost is sort of who you are. Right, it at becomes what you do, right, right, right. Right, so there's, there's sort of an identity payoff to that type. Uh, but within, with enhancement, uh, I feel like that it's got to be the most fun, right? If you're, because if your brain kind of gives you almost like a little like jolt of excitement or almost sure, a high there's, when a, you... there's a reward for learning. I think yeah. that's well established. And so if you can trigger that reward more often by learning more often and learning more quickly and learning more deeply, then it would be enjoyable. I guess it's unknown to me whether you might get less reward from each thing you learn uh, over time. If, if it, you get a tolerance to learning the way you do to drugs, basically. That's a weird idea. Um, that but, sounds I awful. Mean, it's very similar, uh, you know, uh, release in your brain. So it's, it's not, I think, crazy to think if you were doing it all the time. Yeah, but it's novelty-based, right? So I guess you'd, you'd actually have to run out of new things, I think. I don't think that the brain mechanism would get or s- over. Or just fewer things, right? Fewer things would, would seem new. new. Sure. Um, but anyway, that's an interesting, I mean, it's, since we don't have it, it's hard to know, but it's interesting to speculate. It, it seems, seems like, like it would be fun. That would be fun. And then the third one cause kind of gets out of the way, right? I mean, that's also useful in certain situations you want to think about something else. Right, right. Right. Well, it could be disturbing if, uh, if the decisions that are being made for you, um, are too opaque or, or seem not to be made in your interest. But if, as long as it's transparent when you want it and, uh, and seems to be in your interest, I think it'll be basically just helpful. You're saying, can you trust the voice in the earpiece? Exactly. And, and at what point does the voice in the earpiece become a lot like you? Because again, that voice in that earpiece, I mean, the way I kind of posted it in the thought experiment is, oh, that's connected to the internet and it's probably crowdsourced or something. But I mean, another way to imagine that is that you actually have a module in your brain that's a non-conscious module sure that just that feeds you but it feeds it to you in a way that in terms of your like qualitative experience feels like not you really like i mean like sure, it's, like okay. another voice in your head who's not yours yeah exactly right well and i think that um i think that that's possible to do that's uh that makes sense and even some of the things that go on in your head are sort of thought of as being non-conscious right like that marvin minsky uh, society of agents sort of model of sure. consciousness. There's right? another agent in your brain. So yeah. It's just like sort of another agent in your brain, another voice in your head that uh, you sort of recognize as being not you. That's the computer voice. Right. But it's still sort of like shows up with the other voices that sort of are you. And it's so yeah. intimately a part of you at that point that right. it's kind of you, but not not in the same way as you actually living through the learning experience in like in the other two. Right. Yeah. Another thing that might be interesting to talk about with regard to this thought experiment is where uh, these different methods might break down or have rigidness sure. or problems. Uh, I mean, we're talking about math, which math obviously is super formalized and uh, it responds well to uh, rigid systems. Sure. Uh, but uh, just in general for solving problems, you know, uh, that first person who has the deep, uh, the deep knowledge in their subject is going to have, I think, some advantages in, in the sense of not falling prey to previously solved common intuitive issues, but is also going to have, I think, 
some uh, detriments to what they can do because they're going to be stuck in old modes of thinking that may not apply to everything that they encounter. Yeah, after you spend a lot of time with a subject, you know, you might be losing uh, some flexibility, right? But you're sort of getting depth in depth. return. Right. Yeah. Well, and so I think there'll be some things that won't fool them that would fool a novice and other things that uh, would be based on on changing realities that they'd be slow to pick up on um, compared to mostly the second individual, the individual who's right. figuring things out as he goes. So he's uh, obviously going to be able to do deeper pattern you know, initial pattern recognition uh, faster than that uh, than that unenhanced professor. Well, for entirely um, new things, right? For if, new if, things. If the world itself is changing, then that's going to be a better model to have, right? Right. So when things are based on some change in the world, he's going to be faster to recognize the change. But I think uh, he might find himself uh, uh, stopped up by questions that have actually been solved in the discipline. You might go down some wrong paths first. Before. Yeah, yeah because, uh, because there's wrong paths that can be uh, compelling. And then, of course, the third individual is going to have really complete knowledge of anything that the internet or their base of you know, uh, knowledge uh, uh, inputs can cover. But if it's outside the database's immediate knowledge... Uh, then it's going to be extremely rigid. It's going to break down immediately because the the person has no subject background. Whatsoever. Well, they're going to have they're going to have breadth, right? Right, uh, massive breadth uh, instead of depth, really. Uh, although they might have some depth as well. But the thing is, they have the problem of not knowing what's out there. So even if the database is all inclusive, right, they need a really good search algorithm that can find the right thing. Sure. Right, and if that's something that uh, you have to do yourself and you don't have any prior knowledge of the field, then you don't know what to search for, right? right. So that's well, where that right. could break Finding down. the right thing is itself a knowledge task. So like the search engine itself needs to have a quite a lot of knowledge, and there's still going to be some things that either due to their novelty or whatever are outside the purview of what the search engine already knows. And this is where this character is going to have a real hard time versus the two other characters who have breadth of knowledge because he's not going to be able to make the intuitive leaps to figure out, well, where's the next place I should search for answers, or where's the next, where's something I can relate to this, uh, if it's outside of you know the purview of what the the search engine has has been taught to know. Sure. Um, of course, eventually you might have a good enough search engine that there's like few enough novel things that it hasn't considered that it can still be tremendously useful for most questions. But there are some questions at the bleeding edge that I think are always going to stump that system. Well, yeah, and if at the point that it's that good, then the only choice left for uh, the person who's augmenting themselves is like, do you want to qualitatively be along for the ride <laughs> as this happens, or do you just want to offload it, you know, and think about other things, right? Right, well, and choosing what to offload is a super interesting question, right? Sure. And I think that's very individual. Different people want to have fine-grained control over very different things. We wrote a post about this, or John wrote a post about this a while ago, and one of the comments on the post uh, uh, from Matthew Price is that uh, he'd rather be a type two. And I think that's uh, kind of interesting. Like, I think I'd probably want to be some combination of, of type two and three where I offload a considerable amount of the things that I find tedious <laughs> to uh, some hopefully relatively trustworthy, relatively transparent sure. uh, computers while still keeping my brain at high capacity for learning and learning intensely about the things that I'm most interested in. 
Yeah, I think I'd want a combination of, of all three again. Because sure, because well, if, eventually if you do enough of that, I was just thinking, if you do enough of that, you become number one in some subjects. You accumulate the history. Yeah. You accumulate that over time. And that becomes who you are, really. So and that's yeah, important. And I think the question for me would be like, well, would I want to spend that much time on any one thing or would I want to like dabble in many, many sure. things? And I, I think uh, that's, a, that's a tough question without living through it. Hard to say. So anyways, we thought this was an interesting uh, thought experiment to share with you guys today. It's a bit of a shorter episode, but we'll be back uh, next week. Yeah, with uh, something a little bit more in-depth. Thanks for listening, and if you are on iTunes, give us a rating. Uh, If you're on G Plus or Facebook, uh, leave us a comment or send us an email. Thanks for listening. To subscribe or leave a comment on this episode, please visit reviewthefuture.com. You can also send emails to feedback at reviewthefuture.com. Thanks for listening.